0: This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network.
1: Welcome to episode 23 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Pat. And I'm Andy. Please join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. so 23 good morning
2: are. yeah good morning not good evening <laughs> right it's a rare morning uh, recording, recording session here and we've got a good ambiance too because it's a little rainy a little dreary yeah gray day and we're in a uh, we're in my man cave I think is this the first time we've ever recorded up here I yeah. think it is yeah it's yeah. my see. little uh, I call it my crypto den so it's a spare bedroom in my house turned it into a complete nerd fest we got bigfoot stuff on the walls we yeah, have it's locked- very cool. Loch Ness pictures, alien stuff, and uh perfect, perfect
1: little setup to do something like this. we got great photos for this, too. They uh, will probably show up on the uh, Facebook page.
0: There's even a framed paranormal dad's logo on the wall, which is very cool.
1: That's commitment so. right there. We're getting tattoos next time. <laughs> yeah, or we're just getting big
2: heads, you know? Let me put a big picture of myself up on my own wall. Yeah, <laughs> It's not that big. Yeah, tattoos are coming next though, right? Yeah. Oh, I think
0: we should do some tattoos. Just
1: PD. So here's
2: a question. If you had to get one cryptid creature, a paranormal thing on you, ooh. A, what would it be and and, and B, where would you put it? Wow. Yeah, I'm told we didn't we never even talked about this. Yeah, I'm totally right? putting you on the spot.
0: You know, I've never considered a cryptid tattoo, but I I think I'd probably as usual, I'd go with my old standby. I'd go with like a Bigfoot foot. Maybe, yeah, and, and probably like on my shin or something like that. Not my shin, but like my calf kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. But the only tattoo I've ever really considered using is uh, Crush from Disney's uh, uh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> yes, you know, the turtle? Yes, yes. And, and where it comes from is I ran a marathon a few years back, and the person who was in front of me had a tattoo of a like a sea turtle on the back of their leg and and so i'm running behind this person and i'm just thinking to myself just keep swimming just keep swimming even though it wasn't crush that said <laughs> right, that right i but kind of attributed you. it to right. him and so um yeah that's if i ever did a tattoo i think i'd have
1: to do that he became your spirit animal right for a, yeah. for the marathon <laughs> i love it man that's that's something you should probably do hearing that story makes me think so you should do that so Bigfoot on your shin. Yeah, sure. Why not? It has to be a cryptid. Is that what you said?
2: has to be a cryptid. That's a good album name, too. Like, if you came out with, a, with an album, Bigfoot on my shin. <laughs> <laughs> By the Sasquatch Slayers. You know? Yeah.
1: I would get probably, like, the Kraken, uh-huh. but, like, have it big, like, on my back, on centered. Back. <laughs> and then have the tentacles around coming down my oh. shoulders on my arms. So, so you just I could, go, like, full body, <laughs> man. So then I could yell out, release the Kraken, and rip my sleeves off. <laughs> With the tentacles
2: wrapped down like a necklace and then wrap around your nipples.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just wearing a Kraken on my shoulders. And just yell out, Release the Kraken <laughs> And he would give it give, giving a piggyback ride to a Kraken for the rest of his life. That's my album name, Kraken Piggyback Ride. That <laughs> that would be impressive. <laughs> How about you, man?
2: I don't know. If I ever got a cryptid or paranormal tattoo, I think I'd combine genres. I think Uh-oh. I would do like a a forest scene with a UFO you know with a beam coming down and like he's lifting sasquatch into that a spaceship would be cool. yes. you know and then maybe you know peeking out from a tree in the woods there's like a little ghost or yeah. something and just incorporate multiple things get in get them all in there that would yeah. be cool have, so,
1: have mothman like on top of a roof
2: yeah exactly just just have a whole mosaic of a whole hodgepodge of these creatures i don't know truth be told none of us are probably going to do that so <laughs> unless we hit like 10 million listeners and then you know it's like a Uh, a dare kind of thing, then
1: maybe we could get like a small Bigfoot print. We should do a thing where if we get certain amount of downloads we'll go get tattoos. Yeah, people don't set the bar (laughs) too high. (laughs) Oh man,
2: they said they were gonna get tattoos. That's like a half an inch long and it's just a Bigfoot footprint. (laughs) That's that's when that's
0: when Paranormal Dads goes viral and and (laughs) we'll have to live up to something like that.
1: If we can get ten thousand subscribers, I will get a kraken on my back. (laughs) A back grin. As
2: long as you don't get the kraken on your butt. Because you've already got one there. On that one. (laughs) (laughs) Release the Kraken.
1: No, 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 don't release the Kraken. Put it back.
0: (laughs) But speaking of the Kraken and other cryptids and even aqua cryptids, Mm. you should see what we got coming up here in recent sightings. Oh. Here we go. Recently sighted. A North Carolina couple walking on a Wrightsville beach in North Carolina came across a rare prehistoric find, a megalodon tooth. What? Awesome. So imagine you're walking along the beach and here's this megalodon tooth right, you know, at your feet. And that was the biggest
2: shark that ever lived, right? Right. Like it exactly. Eats, yeah. It could eat jaws for breakfast kind of deal.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, they estimate this thing could be as long as like 60 to 80 feet. So it's like a so it's, it's a, like a school bus it's, bigger well, than a school bus.
1: Well, yeah, for Jaws, the Jaws shark was twenty five feet long, and and
0: big? and even the largest great whites, they're saying, you know, pushing twenty feet is is a big right. shark.
1: that's why the whole Jaws thing was like, ooh, yeah. twenty five feet long.
2: So, so they found this tooth that was not a just a great white shark. They're saying was a massive. It tooth. was it
0: was an actual megalodon tooth. It was a big tooth. Um, the guy dropped down to his knees and he was just kind of like, "Ah, <laughs> his brain! <laughs> Thank
1: you, God! I've been looking for this for my whole life." I want that reaction to everything in my and, life. <laughs> and,
0: and so the, the the couple they they shared the tooth with their friend who actually makes jewelry from shark teeth, and and she 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 goes out and she finds this stuff while scuba diving off the off the coast right i'm just
2: (laughs) i'm just thinking of flavor 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 with like the big old clock necklace exactly you go walking around with some uh with some one big old cracking tooth yeah it's a megalodon tooth that weighs like 20 pounds and it's giving you neck problems because you're lugging it around on a on a (laughs)
1: necklace you can't hug anybody because the serrated (laughs) tooth would just kill them (laughs) i'm sorry sorry grandma I can't hug you,
0: but yeah. So apparently they're going to make jewelry out of this thing. Like, but
1: like they're going to chop it up and make smaller pieces. Well, out of it I or? would hope
0: not. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta appreciate something like that if you came across it.
1: How big is a megalodon tooth? I mean, I've seen a great white tooth. I mean, they're probably what, like three or four inches tall.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably they didn't really show anything to scale with it, but they did have a picture of it, and it was it was a big honking tooth, you know. Yeah. Probably bigger than a bear tooth, you know. Um, but, but they're not the only ones, a couple, um, uh, um, or rather it was a man in Australia found a set of fossilized teeth belonging to, uh, a prehistoric great jagged narrow toothed shark, which is, is also a large shark. Um, but you know, specifically the Megalodon, you know, you mentioned the movie, um, Meg, it pits modern humans against the beast and more, more than likely the Megalodon actually died out before humans even evolved. Mm -hmm. So they estimate that humans date back to like 2.5 million years ago. And they think megalodons died out around 2.6 million years ago. All right. And I'm kind of, you know, some people wonder, could there still be megalodons around like in the deepest waters? And apparently they don't even like, you know, the colder waters. And they attribute their extinction to the fact that whales, which would be their primary food source. Right whales were able to adapt and kind of move into more into colder arctic waters and right. the, Me- the megs wouldn't go up there and they eventually starved you know oh wow they just died out
1: yeah because they're cold-blooded
0: right and uh cold-blooded. and even you know great whites although it sounds like they've see, start, they're starting to see great whites move a little further north you know along the western seaboard you know oh, well, well, they're, because they're, the they're oceans seen, are warming up a little bit yeah yeah but um but yeah they usually they kind of they're the paths that they
1: follow are, are in warmer waters, so makes sense. Can you you're, imagine how big like the mouth would be on this thing? I mean, if it's sixty feet, that's already three times as long as a great white shark. So you're talking about I mean, if you multiply everything out three times, I mean, I gr- I've seen those great white jaws. Remember yeah, how they put them up on like restaurant walls and
2: stuff. When Dude, I mean, it would open its mouth. It'd be like going into a walk-in closet. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> with, with teeth. With teeth, it wouldn't be a, It so, wouldn't yeah. even. You know. And and it's not like it unhinges like a snake or anything. It's just that big of a creature it could probably just inhale you. Damn. Yeah,
1: I mean, you wouldn't need to even something that big wouldn't even need to chew an Andy or a Pat or an Eddie. It'd be
2: like Jello for us, you know,
1: just down the hatch. You don't even need to chew it.
2: <laughs> We're like a Tic Tac, to that yeah. thing.
0: It's
1: like... <laughs> I think it I will freshen your breath. I promise.
0: You could probably like it could probably eat it like a Volkswagen. <laughs> you know oh, easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably it's a yeah big shark, but. um yeah, so anyway, if you, if you think you're going uh, going to go swimming out on the eastern seaboard,
1: watch out for Megs. <laughs> I do like the idea. I do like the idea of, you know, maybe them adapting to the, to the you know, maybe there's a pocket. There's that one episode that we had about the uh, underwater phenomenons and how there's, like, actual, like, you know, different environments in some pockets. Maybe there's a little pocket of underground uh, water that's warm for some reason Right. set off to the side, a little cave system or something.
0: I don't know. I kind of agree with the the idea that they probably don't exist yeah. anymore. because wh- you'd know they were out there. They'd have to come looking for food and something that big. Yeah. yeah.
2: And they'd have to eat what? A couple hundred pounds a day at least. Yeah. Oh, at the very yeah. least. Yeah. You know. So probably not. But at this end, you know, if they're living in deeper waters, um, you know, there's not as much food down there to survive on. Right. Of, and it's colder. But, yeah, it's colder. But who knows? You know, oceans, one of those things. Uh, it's one thing when we're talking about Bigfoot in a forest that's hard to get to because there's limited access. Right. You know, you got with the, with the ocean; it's like that times ten. Right. Yeah. Like we don't know what's down there. No. Yeah. So,
0: and you hear it all the time that we know more about space than we do about the bottom of the ocean. That's right. In some places, anyway.
1: Sometimes yeah. you'd think if you had seen something that big just coming at you, you'd just like you just pass out. Well, <laughs> anyone who did never lived to tell about it, so right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they are down there. Swim. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. That was a good one.
2: (laughs) It's time for Pop, Culture, and the Paranormal.
1: All
2: right, so for today's Pop, Culture, and the Paranormal segment, I was up to bat, and I chose uh, Haunted Hollywood Locations and Attractions. So I'm pulling this information from a website called la.curbed.com. And uh, it was kind of a list of like the top 20 most haunted places, you know, in and around Hollywood. And uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I pulled some of the highlights here and I thought I could toss them out. Ironically, a lot of hotels in the mix here. Yeah. Really?
1: I mean, I would imagine you're talking about a place that has a lot of tourism. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who kind of come in there and are like, I'm going to make this is where I make it big. I mean, this is, you know, basically the Eddie, Pat and Andy story where we pack up all of our things and go to Hollywood and, and become famous. But, you know, the, the, the hotel would be a place where, you know, obviously someone goes and hangs out and tries to get stuff started or whatever. And I just think, like, you know, you, you, you combine the risk of tragedy and, like, you know, that weird pocket in your life between being stable and being stable again, that weird, like, nexus of possibility. And it's, I think it's, a, it's, it's ripe for paranormal stuff to happen.
2: Well, you know, and you have the, the party scene out there, you yeah. know, and like you said, you have some people who... You either make it or your dreams crumble. And, and hotels in right. general, I mean, not even outside of Hollywood, I think hotels are, you know, they have a lot of energy in them. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of vibes. You know, you got a lot of people going through there. A yeah. lot of people have slept in the bed. A lot of people have, you know, uh, done shady things in there. And, mm-hmm. and you just got a lot of leftover residual energy. And I think whether or not a hotel is haunted, it can still feel kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know. But first one I found kind of interesting was the Alexandria Hotel, um, the uh, 1906 um, Alexandria. So it's now uh, low income apartments, but it's been uh, one of the fanciest joints in downtown and a it used to be a rundown flap house or flop, <laughs> flop, flop <flap> house. <laughs> <laughs> not flap a flap house. house. You're thinking of a pancake. House. <laughs> That's a pancake house. Yeah, right next to IHOP. <laughs> um, so uh, several dancers are said to haunt the second floor ballroom. An angry teenager is said to um, hang around Charlie Chaplin's old suite. You know, and uh, teenager's <laughs> not angry. <laughs> exactly. <I know. laughs> and
0: even on the Avengers, the new Avengers movie. Spoiler alert a yeah, new Avengers movie Groot is like this yeah angry attitude teenager
1: yeah I am Groot
2: <laughs> he plays video games <laughs> all the time talk. I love it Well and I'm not quite there yet because my daughter's only four but you two have teenagers yeah. in the house and yes. uh, yeah, there's a little little extra hormones going around huh just a little yeah so also here in the Alexandria Hotel uh, Rudolph Valentino apparently, uh, leaves the Knickerbocker occasionally, which is another hotel, and uh, visits his old 12th floor suite uh, mm. there at the Alexandria. The basement in the place, which is filled with tunnels, is supposedly haunted by a couple of mobsters, or at least one uh, who likes to visit the Comedy Store, which is another haunted Yeah, the location. Comedy Store is a lot mm. of yeah. stories. So that's the Alexandria Hotel. So, uh, mention the Knickerbocker Hotel. That's a whole other ballgame here. So, It's now a uh, senior living facility, and a lot of people say it's straight up the most haunted place in all of Los Angeles. It was uh, actually originally built as an apartment building in 1925, and then it became a fancy hotel. Um, As previously mentioned, Rudolph Valentino is now said to haunt the bar. Marilyn Monroe apparently hangs out in the ladies' room,
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: (laughs) there's a lot of other sightings as well. Um, Let's see, D.W. Griffith who was a director, he died in the lobby of the, of the place, and uh, actress uh, Frances Farmer was arrested in the hotel, uh, you know, in the midst of kind of uh, going insane, as they say. But it's uh, one of the most notable uh, things is, is for the non-haunting uh, issue that this place has. So apparently after Harry Houdini's death on Halloween... Ironically, well, he died he, on Halloween. He died he on Halloween yeah. in 1926. Man, guy, he what a was a showman. <laughs>
0: oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, always,
2: always gotta be a big showman. Um, Harry Houdini, uh, his widow uh, Bess, attempted to contact him every year for ten years. Or yeah, every year for ten years by having a séance on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel. Why on the My roof? Goodness. I wonder. I don't know, <laughs> did it never work? I mean, she's it, is, is, it's to, just tried to, to no avail. Wow. you know but it's kind of one of these cases where um you know he was admittedly uh kind of skeptical he was inter- Houdini he was interested in the paranormal but rather skeptical and he mm-hmm. said you know I'm going to be the authority when I pass away if there's any way for me to contact Come and back. communicate with people I'm going to tell gonna you I'm going to do it I'm going to know how yeah of course there's been a lot of psychics over the years that have claimed to communicate with him but again it's that it's that gray area where some right. people believe it's him and some people are is not but yeah so that place uh knickerbocker hotel hot high on the list big ghostbuster fans right yeah, yeah. serious most yes. people are so there's a, a place down uh around uh, la called the ghostbuster house um so dan Aykroyd was living in this house uh when he got the idea for ghostbusters He said it was actually inspired by his house's uh, extreme paranormal activity in there. So there was doors locking by themselves. There was lights going on and off. A piano would play by itself. I always got to hate when that happens. What? And uh, some people think that the ghost in his house could be former occupants, uh, such as Mama Cass Elliot or Mm -hmm. Natalie Wood. Oh, you know, Ackroyd
0: is such a huge paranormal guy. Yeah. You know, we know that he's going to show up one of these days in Paranormal Lifestyles of really the Rich and Famous. He's got so many stories yeah, that he's told about paranormal stuff, not even just ghosts, but also UFOs and all
1: kinds of fun stuff.
2: I was going to say, isn't he a huge uh, believer in UFOs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's been on documentaries and interviews, and he's very outspoken about it.
1: His big ones are, are the afterlife and UFOs. Yeah. I haven't heard him go into, like, Bigfoot and stuff, but it's pretty much those are the yeah. two things he really dials in on. It'd be fun to reach out to him, like like via Twitter, like "yo, hi." Well, we, we, <laughs> we know some people who know some people, so yeah. oh, I think man. you jump at it,
2: right? I mean, Paranormal
1: dads, yeah, I bet
2: he follows us.
1: Why not? Hey. Right the uh yeah I mean if you and for any listeners too who are curious it's kind of fun to follow up like the creation of the Ghostbusters story when he he sat down with Harold Ramis and wrote it and just kind of how they referenced a lot of like actual paranormal things I think even isn't Tobin's spirit guide a real thing or is that a, or is that a fictional I, I book? think it I, I don't know but I I imagine it probably is yeah there's some sort of book that they reference. Well, They're it's called smart guys, Yeah, so anyway, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway. It was
2: based on a real thing.
1: I think it's either based on a real thing or it's actual. That's the name of the actual book.
2: Yeah. But who would have thunk? I didn't know that. Right. That's some of the you know ideas from that were inspired by real events at his wow. own house. That's next level. Yeah. Well, here's another place uh, right around Hollywood, Mission San Buenaventura. Ooh. Uh, every mission in California is said to be haunted, but only one has a ghost cat. So the legend goes that um, someone named Father Francisco Uria. Uh, kept four pet cats who he loved so much that when he died the four cats uh, sadly marched to the chapel and they um, leaping to the rope of the chapel bell, they swung it back and forth tolling out the mournful message that the padre was dead and as the legend goes, sometimes you can still hear uh, the the cries and the footsteps of the cats
1: hmm. huh they rang the bell, they, re- they rang them out ghosts right. with attitude the cats <laughs>
2: Yeah, if only they had opposable thumbs, it would have made the whole bell ringing thing easier, yeah, right? I'm sure. I'm just
1: picturing four cats <laughs> clinging to a rope <laughs> as it swings around and, and just
2: pawing
0: the at the bell. Boom, 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 boom.
1: boom. I mean,
2: I, I know some cats can be really loyal. Some are totally indifferent, though. I mean, I knock on wood. You know, I think if I was gone, I'm not sure if my cat would notice for a good week until his food ran out and he got hungry. Yeah, I looked at you? He's not going to ring any bells for me. <laughs> Give me I a headbutt to
1: you a couple times. <clears throat>
2: That's right. Uh, last one here. I'm going to mention is Hotel Cecil. So if you stay on Maine. Uh, formerly called Hotel Cecil, and soon to be called Ollie. So it's undergoing a big, uh, trendy makeover, but no amount of paint or renovations can undo the buildings unsettling history as a den of drugs, death, and mystery. Ooh. So some of the creepiest things that have happened at the hotel, um, serial killers Richard the Night Stalker Ramirez and uh, Jack Unterweger uh, stayed here and the uh, decomposing body of a woman who had been missing for three weeks uh, turned up in the water tower of, oh, the, wow. uh, of the hotel. What? So you might want to stick with uh, Aquafina or uh, bottled water if you visit there, just in case.
1: <laughs> I brought my own water. Sounds you. like
0: one of those locations where all the classy people hang out.
2: Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I've got one, and I believe this is L.A. area, being that I'm not from the place, I can't say for sure, but uh, the Queen Mary is supposedly docked there and is very haunted. Yeah, um, that was and, on the list, and, yep. Yeah, and every year they have a, uh, a big haunted house there around Halloween time that is supposed to be quite a thing to see. You know, in Hollywood they do it upright there. But uh, but apparently the place has real ghost stories to go along with it. My so.
2: goodness. There you go. And we've, we've mentioned this before. You know, there we did a – I'm not sure if it was a main mystery or a pop culture about um, – Peg uh, Entweller or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Entwistle. Yeah. 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 Who? Uh, she jumped off the Hollywood
0: sign. Yeah, that's And so uh, that's how she met her
2: device. But it's.
0: And now it's, she still kind of wanders the
2: grounds. Yeah, just a haunted part of the country, you know. So I don't know what it is. Maybe like you were saying, Eddie. High stakes. People take drastic mes- measures. Some people uh, meet their demise and go out in a ball of flames, and that just causes the whole area to be a little more haunted than usual.
0: And I think actors just by nature are a little more emotional than your standard occupation. And so, you know, I think that kind of goes along with your soul once you pass, you know, it's, there's a lot of emotion built up and and transferred along with your soul.
1: Yeah. Emo ghosts. (laughs) Emo ghosts.
2: (laughs) From the opulence and excess of Beverly Hills to luxurious destinations around the globe, it's time to rub shoulders with the privileged and successful Among Us, as Paranormal Dads now offers you a look into the paranormal lifestyles of the rich and famous. In
0: 1981, Kim Carnes reached superstardom when Betty Davis I spent nine weeks at the top of the charts. However, Kim says that the most prolific music she has ever written came from an unlikely source of inspiration in her home in Tennessee in the late 80s and early 90s. Carnes and her husband Dave purchased a historic mansion just outside of Nashville. Built in 1843, Carnes said the house felt alive as she walked through it for the first time, and later that day, Kim and Dave made an offer on their house. The first night in the house, Carnes hadn't even unpacked when she heard her son Rye calling from his bedroom. Carnes heard to her son and found him very scared. He said a little girl was here. She walked through the door, stood at the end of the bed, looking at me. Carnes assured her son he was just experiencing jitters from going to bed in a new place. But as time went on, Rye became more afraid, and he saw the girl over and over again. One day, a tornado warning scrambled the family to a cellar outside of the house. As they sat and listened to the weather radio, Kim noticed Rye shaking, and he told her that he had the same feeling as when the little girl would come to visit. That night, she put him to bed and sang him to sleep. All of a sudden, she felt chills up and down her whole body, After a moment she saw a little girl. She walked into the room, stood at the end of the bed and just stared down. The little girl looked up, saw Karn staring at her, she turned and walked right into the wall behind her and vanished. At that point, Kim and Dave decided they needed to find out why this little girl was coming to the room every night. A few nights later, Dave came home with a book about the history of the county and opened it to a chapter about the history of their house. It described a tragic event involving the granddaughter of the owner. The little girl had been playing on the upstairs balcony and fell over the railing and was killed by the impact. The family kept the body of the child in the cellar until the late spring thaw. the same cellar Kim and her family took shelter in during the tornado. When conditions permitted, the girl was buried on the grounds of the estate. After reading the story about the girl in the book, Kim and Dave found a picture of a young girl there in the pages. It was the same girl Kim and her son had seen in his bedroom. They showed Rye the book and told him the story of the girl. That night, Kim put Rye to bed and went downstairs to the piano and started writing a song. It came to her effortlessly. She had a feeling it was the girl helping her write the music. And Karn says she has never had that type of inspiration before or since. The next morning, Rye said the girl didn't come to visit. And over several nights, Kim realized that when she was writing, the girl was with her. If she didn't write, the ghost was in Rye's room. Kim and her family spent about eight years in the house. Reluctantly, they put the house on the market. You see, they became attached to the spirit that lived with them, and they wanted to care for the little girl who loved to help Kim Carnes make music. For the Paranormal Dads, I'm Pat, and this has been Paranormal Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous.
1: And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> It's funny you said, hold on tight. You set me up perfectly. Oh, nice. Because today's main mystery is about dowsing. And no, not sneaking up on your buddy with a bucket of water and just dumping it on his head. No. This, isn't, this isn't the ice bucket <laughs> challenge. <laughs> not the ice bucket challenge. You're not dousing <laughs> your friends here. This is the ancient art of taking dowsing rods. And for those not aware of these, they're like little L-shaped kind of, not little, but kind of long actually, L-shaped rods, just metal rods. And a person, a dowser will hold them and basically just kind of slowly pace around a, a parcel of land looking for something. Usually it's water. And, and it, uh, uh, this was kind of a practice done back in settler days. And the idea being that it goes beyond that, like it goes into like ancient Egypt-style stuff, that you would walk around with these rods, and as they begin to cross and come together, that spot that you're standing over with those rods crossed is a spot where there would be water. Kind of like X marks the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. X marks the spot.
2: So they move on their own accord, right? Yes, so you're they holding rotate. Them and yep. You're trying not to move them in your palms too much, right? Exactly. And so with, it's, is it like due to some sort of magnetism or something just it's thought that they just they cross and move on their own and
1: so not surprising and this is a good good question the the scientific community does not embrace this as a method of finding anything Uh but the idea being is that you hold on to them loosely so they can rotate but you're not guiding them either you're not turning them clearly you're just kind of letting them rest in your hands and you're not gripping them crazy tight and you're not like holding them like they fall out but just loose loosely hold on and you walk around and via your own body being what it is, a conductor of electricity and electromagnetism and the rods that because of, and this is where it gets a little bit paranormal, between the connection of the water or the substance you're looking for, you, the rods, and this belief in like this ephemeral energy field that kind of surrounds the entire earth, that there's a lot of people who believe like Egyptians, ancient Egyptians were able to tap into this energy field and use it for healing and all this stuff. that stuff. With this, you can actually connect. These rods will rotate and, and cross in your hands. This is where it gets interesting, though, where the tests, like they, they, there are several tests. And in this book that I will reference, the Weird 100 that Andy has recommended, and we recommend too. <laughs> Check it out. It's by Stephen Sping- Spignessi. Spignessi. It's funny because there's Nessie on the bottom of the... Yeah, Nessie's right there. <laughs> Spig Nessie. <laughs>
2: it's it's kind of like a Bible for anyone who's into weird cryptids and paranormal stuff. It is a fantastic book. Weird 100.
1: Yes, published by Citadel Press Reference. But uh, in this book, they reference a test, a scientific test that was done involving uh, geologists, whom I work with, by the way. Like In my day job, I work with like geologists and environmental scientists. So geologists doing what they would call a water study, where they do core samples and decide based on the soil types and the water saturation levels where water would most likely be on a piece of property and a dowser so they did it independent where the the scientific team shows up does their hydro um, their their soil study to see where water would be then separate day homeboy comes out just him and his dowsing rods and paces the property and marks spots with little pin flags where he thinks water would be so they come out and they drill. We're going to drill these holes and find this here water. Uh-huh. They drill. The geologist, they had marked 21 locations, and they found three locations where there was water. The dowser had marked six locations. Five of them had water. Oh. So so the geologist had a higher chance of being right with the, with the more locations. Sure. Didn't find any. Didn't find water. The dowser they even said the percentage rate, a success rate on the dowser was eighty five percent, and on the geologist it was twenty one percent. And the interesting thing about these dowsing rods,
0: they they're not not really fancy things. No, they're. uh, I I've seen coat hangers used as dowsing rods. Yeah, a pure metal. Just just kind of bend it, you know, at it with an L shape, and uh, back when I was growing up as a teenager my friend's grandfather used to actually do it and we'd watch him he'd walk around the yard and they knew of a water line going into the house and he could walk over they knew where this thing was and you'd see the rods just kind of start turning as he stepped over this water line and actually see it cross and you know and we'd even be we'd we'd try it as as well um my friend was actually pretty good at it you know he'd get that x in the same spot every time so you know i don't think it was anything he was doing to kind of manipulate these rods to twist either you know you're not seeing his his hands it's knuckles moving yeah moving whatever. or anything
1: it, it's just kind of the things just started moving and and boom x mark marked the spot it was kind of cool yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and the practice goes back thousands of years. And it got to the point where it was basically like a standard operating procedure. If you were using this to map, even for mapping purposes, they would, you know, somebody would say, break out a parcel of land, and they would use either stones or they would use like metal disks or even iron rods to mark where their property corners were. And then a guy had to come back out, and this is back in like ancient times, pre-metal detector days. A person would walk around with dowsing rods to find what was lo- what was buried. So it apparently doesn't even just work on water; it also works on anything that's metallic that would be buried. Uh, and then it's apparently been used for treasure as well, like just you know walking around and then boop, and then it finds treasure. <laughs> that is why.
0: Trying are- to remember, I think the Curse of Oak Island guys might have done some dowsing. That I- or that at least island. talked about it yeah. at some point.
1: That's a heartbreaking island, though. It's been excavated <laughs> oh, and filled in. Excavated and filled they, in. They I mean, did it's... so much
0: work on that island and really have not a lot to show for it. They found some interesting things. but Th- Tidbits here and there. Enough
1: to keep you kind of on the hook a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: I've never been able to get off the hook. If they still made new episodes, I'd probably still watch it. Just because like, it was so interesting.
2: But you said that you can use just about anything. Coat hangers, metal rods. Obviously, they can't be too heavy. Right. Because right. you want to be able to kind of hold them out here right in front. Of you and um, so coat hangers, but if you used uh, something like I don't know glow sticks, maybe, Ooh.
1: and then it would lead you to a rave. <laughs> <laughs> I found this rave with this dousing glow sticks. <laughs> you dig
0: down there and you see these disco balls and flashing lights just, coming up out of the ground
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you go into a clearing and you see Sasquatch just doing there, just just doing the <laughs> uh, doing like the the running man I didn't know Sasquatch like techno <laughs> who knew Skrillex <laughs> uh, but so these guys uh, these guys dowsers you know don't feel the need to necessarily like push too hard they're like it works so we use it yeah <laughs> and, and this is where my personal story so uh, in my my professional life I, I work with and and am considered a surveyor I mean I do the thing that surveyors do I'm not licensed I'm not a licensed surveyor but I you know that's what I did I'm in the office now I draw maps I don't go out and help create grab the data but I create them god you're so white collar nowadays <laughs> I know right you used to be blue collar and then you worked your way up huh? I sold my soul jeez, for rock and roll for the opposite of rock and roll <laughs> but um um, but back in the day, yeah, you'd be in the field and you would, you know, record all the information you need, and then I'd go back and make the maps. Point is, older surveyors, like guys who've been doing it, who you know, you know, you know, who were already old men in the late '80s and early '90s, swore up and down by dowsing. They're like, "Oh yeah, we just bust up those dowsing rods." It was like part of the standard operating equipment for them.
2: Well, and you know, it's weird, and I can't speak on behalf of all surveyors everywhere because I, I, other than you, I don't really know anyone in that in that area, but. I mean, overall, I don't think it's it's a bunch that is extremely open-minded to paranormal kind of stuff. I mean, they're kind of hardworking, down-to-earth, you know, grounded people. So yeah. I think it's really... Yeah, and they're they're We're not going really... to believe that something like that would actually work. No, but I mean, but if it does,
1: they're then, data then... driven guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just that simple. I mean, you do a few a few who are like, oh yeah, I totally believe in this stuff. Yeah, but these guys' job is to trump out into the middle of nowhere. You know, they go to places that most humans don't go to acquire the information. So like things like Sasquatch and things like that. I mean, so you'll have either. Uh, like and I think you're, my experience is you're you're pretty correct. Like a majority of them are pretty hard sciencey type dudes, but you do have this contingent of them who are like, oh yeah, I saw something, yeah. or in this case, but the dowsing, the people who used it swore up and down by it. Yeah, like Pat was getting at, just like like dr- it drove results every time, most times to a certain degree of accuracy. Heck, even modern metal detecting isn't a hundred percent. No, you'll yeah. and you don't find anything. Like oh. It was going crazy.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's weird you say this might even be an ancient practice with the Egyptians or whatnot. Like, who was the first dude to come up with this How? idea?
1: I mean, that was where I was thinking, too. Like, first of all, you would have to have kind of a base understanding that there's something like an electromagnetic field. Right. It's kind mm-hmm. of funny you set this up. So, like... Where did this come from? What was the driving like purpose and data behind this to kind of try this? And the point, once again, referencing the weird one hundred uh, that the uh, the author made was just because science can't necessarily explain. Why this works doesn't mean it doesn't work. And he cited two specific examples. When, and this guy is right after my own heart and how he, how he did this. Um, two cases of things that at the time were considered witch doctory style technology, which are now completely accepted. Like, oh, yeah, it totally works. Um, there was a practice of applying bread mold to wounds mm. because it would actually treat the wound and reduce infection. They didn't know why. They just knew it worked. And then fast forward, oh, look, penicillin extracted from mold. And then people would also have certain types of tree bark they would chew on and generate a nice salivic and swallow it only to find out later that's where they extract aspirin from. Uh, certain types of tree bark are, um, are a product. They produce acetaminophen. So not even knowing you know, why it works and then later on science revealing, oh, this is how. So it could just be a matter of, of time before we see some of the science behind this coming, coming through.
2: Yeah, you know, 50, 100 years, we keep learning something more every year, and maybe we'll know a lot more about electromagnetism here. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, dowsing worked. It always has. You know, here's why.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we roll up on our property, and Andy just yells out, give me my dowsing rods. <laughs> give me my dowsing <thousand> rods. <laughs> I lost my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around. Hmm. <laughs> what, we,
2: what would the neighbors do if we we're just wandering around outside, you know, with our dowsing rods? I just, hey, what you doing over there, dowsing for water?
1: I'm <laughs> looking for now, a well. <laughs> I got to make some wishes. <laughs> that was a good one, though. You
2: know, but it, it is in the wheelhouse of the paranormal because it's not explained
1: entirely how it works. No, no, and and it's one of those things too that. Um, we're tapping into kind of this, and, and I hate using this word so like loosely, but you're tapping into what a lot of people reference as the energy field, where there is a certain amount of that. And we know that, though. Like, there's already accepted things. Oh, real quick, this ties into this. I was reading an article about spiders, and you, you, you guys have seen how spiders will release a certain amount of silk, and they'll just take off flying. Like, kind of like Spider-Man. Just like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> like a parachute. Yeah, it looks like a parachute. I mean, uh, one of the r- pop references would be the Charlotte's Web, the the animated movie. There was a scene in which all the little spiders leave uh, Wilbur behind, and they release a little bit of, I forget what they call it. It's like silking or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I think where they release a certain, like, like a long thread of silk and then they carry it away. And they both thought for the longest time it was like on the breeze. And they're so small and little that there isn't there, there could be the tiniest little whisper of a breeze and that would be enough. Aha, science comes in and says, no, it's not a breeze. There's times, there's, there's, there's evidence, uh, not evidence, there's cases of spiders flying away on completely still days, not a breeze to be found. And they will still release their silk and just sail away it's on an electromagnetic field the thin (laughs) strand is so thin that it actually creates a little bit of static and that same static that'll pull your hair up like a balloon will will generate lift for the um for the spider and they're so small and the thread is so long that the static um, charge will lift them up and carry them off into the atmosphere. The breeze does come into effect as they get them, but initial their launch and initial ascent is done via static, not by wind. And they apparently can get up
0: get get up there pretty high. You know, go back a couple episodes, episode twenty one, I think it was, in pop culture and paranormal. David Bowie based one of his songs on an event that happened over a soccer stadium where people thought they saw UFOs. Other people say it was like this huge band of spiders there you go. flying around with their silk. Yeah. Um, and then sparkles or something, um, pixie dust, I don't know what it is. It's amazing. Rain down on the crowd. Um, you know, some people still believe it was like an, of alien nature, but, right. but other people say it, it was a bunch of spiders. So that's crazy. Yeah. Science, enough to look science at- is fascinating.
1: Oh,
2: spiders are pretty alien,
1: right? Yeah. 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 But there's an there's an an example of something using kind of an invisible field of electricity around us to do what it needs to do. So I don't think this is too too uh, asking too much out of people.
2: Well, and I think a lot of people understand this phenomena on a on a more personal and different level too. We all tap into that invisible energy field, even if we don't know how we do it. I mean, have you guys ever had a uh, been in a room and you felt like somebody was looking at you? And you're not sure how or why, but it's that sensation that you're being stared at. And you look, you know, you look over to your left and sure enough, somebody's, you know, giving you the stink eye. Yeah. Or I've heard a lot of cases from my clients over the years of like a a mother who will wake up at two thirty in the morning, um, you know, just with this panic feeling that she needs to call her daughter, that something's not right. And she calls her daughter and sure enough, like two minutes prior, her daughter was in a car accident and needs someone to come pick her up. So how, how do we tap into that grid, how it works? Who the heck knows? It just it it, but it works, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, and we accept that. And we like accept on that. a personal level, like yeah. we accept that, and then you get into the scientific where it's like, prove it, and it's like, all right, well, we're in a, we're in an area here that's kind of hard to consistently drive results, but apparently in a high enough percentage that it beats out science eighty five percent versus twenty one. Right, <laughs> right, and that's I think
0: one of the cool things about doing this show is we can kind of go off on on some things that are strange yet they're grounded in science and you know it's not just the cryptid show or the ufo show it's monsters myths and mysteries that we cover and mysteries can be a lot of things it doesn't necessarily have to be you know uh of alien nature or some kind of uh unexplained creature uh that nobody has ever seen before um yeah just unknown
2: unexplained unexpected even is kind of uh within our realm of things we talk about but as always you know we always encourage people to write in and contact us via social media if you have a suggestion for a pop culture segment or if you yourself have had a recent sighting that is worthy of talking about or if you want to suggest a, a main mystery um you know this is very much a a fan driven show so you know we have a Um, A loyal following and every single person's feedback matters, so don't hesitate to contact us, uh, ParanormalDads at gmail.com, at ParanormalDads on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram nowadays. So we check it fairly regularly.
0: Thanks a lot to all the folks at uh, freesounds.org, too, who contributed
1: their their, uh, talents to this episode. And also, as I said before, we've got plenty of paranormal dad stickers. And uh, maybe over time we can actually do some more things as far as like merchandise goes. But right now we have stickers. and if you would like one or more, uh, simply send one dollar per sticker to the PayPal link that I have put up on Twitter. and uh, with oh and then in the um, payment, give me your address. and then we will then send out some fun stickers to your home and we've actually had people take us up
0: on our offer which we have. Is, yeah and they're... they're just they they include the greatest notes just greatest no oh, i mean they make you feel so good that that you know we we sit down and we do this we put our time into this and um and people enjoy it and that that's just the value of that to us is just uh beyond words
2: Now stickers are awesome We we all have them on our laptop computers and just slapped in random places and it's uh yeah, it's just great. So the, the stickers are a dollar. High fives are free. Yep. And uh, thanks to all your support for keeping this show going. So there you go. Another one in the can, guys. Until next time. Good night.
1: join us as we go in search of
2: (laughs) what's that they have a like a the the sauces just keep getting hotter man yeah like fire then you got diablo and then it's like satan's breath like do they have a ghost do they have a ghost
1: sauce now diablo has a little bit of ghost in it i believe a little bit of ghost pepper yeah yeah yeah. it's good it's a it's a more darker hot sauce yeah it's almost like a akin to like a barbecue almost. Maybe I'll try that. It's sure. good. It's good, though. We'll try that. Sorry about the Sorry. chair with the leopard print pink. It's okay. The... I, feel, I feel it has tapped into my feminine side. It's kind of and... squishy.